This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. You're listening to the West Amway Podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi. Hello and welcome to the West Hamway podcast with myself, Dave Walker, an XWHU employee. In the absence of a Premier League game to reflect on, we talk about the Queen passing away, our Conference League game last Thursday, an outstanding performance from Flynn Downs, a new penalty taker in Jarrod Bowen, the game against Silkborg, and the bomb dropped by Trevor Sinclair on social media before getting news from X and answering questions from Patreons at the West Hamway. X, no Premier League to reflect on because of the Queen's passing. Firstly, do you agree with the postponements? Um, no, I didn't. If I'm honest with you now, you know, before I start, I'd like to express, you know, how sad I was at the news and, you know, what a great servant to the country she was and what a, a nice person she seemed. I mean, obviously I don't know her personally, but from what she, you know, things you do see and the dedication she gave to the country and the sort of motherly figure um, she she was. And it was quite sad for me because she almost is a like a, a holding on to a generation of like my grandparents, you know, my, my nan used to have a picture of her in her lounge and my granddad was very anti-war, even though he had to fight in it and was quite high up in it. He always expressed his disgust at war, but he said, I do what the Queen's orders are. And, you know, for me, it's almost a bit of a sad end of a, a generation gone by as such. So just wanted to make that clear before I then elaborate. But I do think the fixtures should have carried on. And, and the reasons I say this is, firstly, you know, 
the Queen was apparently a West Ham fan, but certainly a football fan. Um, you know, she gave the, the World Cup to Bobby Moore. She was also involved in other, um, you know, sporting events. She, uh, her son, uh, sorry, her grandson is the head of the FA. So, you know, football's a big thing in the family. And she was very much for you carry on in the face of adversity. You know, like whenever there was an issue that Britain faced, she was very much like, you know, we, we move, we, we deal with it and we carry on. And I don't think she would have wanted the games cancelled. I mean, it, it surprises me in 76 years of her being on the throne. They never actually discussed it with her, whether they would want them cancelled or not. But I actually think she wouldn't have. She wouldn't have wanted it to stop. She would have wanted it to carry on. And also, it's the perfect way to show your respect, like we did on Thursday in the European game. All the fans together, minute silence or applause, whichever way it turns out. You know, black armbands, picture of her up. And I know they said there was a couple of teams that they didn't think would respect it, but that wouldn't necessarily reflect bad on British society and reflect bad on those two clubs. I think mm. they should have carried on. There's people that, you know, are flying over from all over the world to go to these games and stuff and would have would have missed out. And you don't want when someone dies there to be like a negativity around the fact that that death had almost like been a, shouldn't um had almost caused problems to people i i wouldn't want that and you know if i if i was to die i wouldn't want well, if i was to die i will die when i die um, i would <laughs> i want i want people to like almost celebrate my life like i would want people to 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 be happy and having parties and say i oh, wasn't he a good lad when this happened i wouldn't want all this morning and i don't think from what I know of her, which is obviously just what I see on TV, she would have wanted the same thing. And it's, and it's, I think rugby and cricket and the other sports that continued with their sporting calendar got it right, I think. Mm, mm. Yeah. I mean, like you, I don't agree with the postponements personally. We didn't postpone the game that we had on the day of her death and what a lovely tribute we went on to see. Yeah. And no doubt those tributes would have continued around the grounds at the weekend with the exception of one or two. Um, so I don't, for one, think it was the right decision. But there was a game last week, though, the one I just mentioned, our first competitive game in the Conference League group stage, a 3-1 win against FCSB. Did you enjoy it? Um, it's a bit of a cliche, that game. It was it was a game of two halves, wasn't it? Yeah, thought, it was. I thought the first half was was terrible. I thought we were really, really poor. In the first half, gave the ball away, missed a lot of good opportunities. In fairness, we created the opportunities, but we missed them, didn't take them. Our passing wasn't there. Tempo wasn't right. But then whatever happened at halftime, which was... You got to credit Moyes. You know we, we've all we've sat on this podcast and we've we've said a criticism of him is his in-game management. He made three substitutions at halftime, and those substitutions completely changed the way we were playing and the and the and the game. And we went on to win quite comfortably in the end, albeit a slightly dodgy decision by the referee for the penalty. But it we were it's good to get one in our favour. And um, yeah, I thought we actually played really well in the second half. So yeah, certainly a game of two halves, definitely. Yeah, talking of the penalty, what are your thoughts on that then? Because I, I couldn't really make up my mind when I saw it. I had to look at it a good few times to jump off the fence. And I kind of come to the conclusion that it probably was a penalty, in my opinion, because I think the keeper's taken Max first before he's taken the ball. And that's See, I, my I, fault. But, but, but to be fair, I'm open to discussion on it because I'm not absolutely convinced. 
I would say that it, it wasn't a penalty because I think that Max almost jumped into him. So, yes, there was a collision, but he almost jumped into the direction of the keeper. So, if anything, it might have been a foul the other way. That's my opinion um, because he like almost took himself into the keeper and the keeper couldn't obviously get out of the way because he was jumping and took him out. It's, it is debatable and you could argue it both ways. But I think if that had gone against West Ham and it had turned the, the tide of the game, I mean, I'd have been really really annoyed with that personally um so i can understand if they're if their fans were as well um and yeah but i mean it i think we would have won anyway i think we yeah. had enough momentum to win anyway so it's not like a game changer but at the time it was an important moment and yeah i, I thought i thought we played well i mean individually there were some very good performances there were some performances that were questionable a couple of players um but on the whole we need to just win these games um, and get the results on the board. Um, we've got the we've got the three points already against probably what the second best team in the group. There are sort of we need to just make sure we finish. Obviously, we want to finish top of the group. That's much better to finish top of the group because you skip around in the tournament. But ultimately, to get through, you've got to finish first or second. And I think beating Stow, who will be one, will be the team pushing for second place, um, was a good result definitely. Yeah, and I think, you know, rotating certain players is important as well. And we're using our squad depth now for the first time in a long time. Um, and you're right, second half, we were a different team. Antonio, I thought, was brilliant again. Yeah. So pleased he got his goal. He deserved that. Such a handful up front. I love watching him. He's just an absolute machine, isn't he? And uh, he always, always works so hard for West Ham. And with Skamaka as an option now, it allows Mickey the rest he needs to be at his best. So um, I think that highlights the importance of uh, of Scamsy, as I call him, coming in as well. Um, but I've got to ask you, have we found our new penalty taker in Jared Bowen? Um, I mean, it was inches from being a miss, wasn't it? I mean, it almost, That's a good it? penalty though, mate. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, despite the run up and not quite as much power, it's a little bit Dixie-esque, I thought. Yeah, I mean, it did almost hit the crossbar, though it didn't, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But, um, <laughs> but no, You're a quite... harsh critic, but you're a hard man to please, you are. <laughs> I think he scored it, so I like in line with my in line with my saying that you don't change a winning team, although in this case I think you do, to contradict myself, if you've just scored the last penalty, then you take the next one. So, yeah, he should be the penalty taker for the next game, definitely. So is he off penos now, then, Declan? Well, I would think so. He played in that game and didn't take it, didn't yeah. he? So I would, so I would, I would assume so. Yeah. But I wonder in that scenario, right? If you've missed a penalty, what are the rules within the club? Is it the player that says, "Actually, I've missed one. I'm going to let someone else have a go now," or is it Moyes that sets the rule? You miss, then it goes on to someone else. It's I'd interesting, imagine, isn't it? Yeah, I'd imagine it's the manager. To be honest with you, because mm. all, like you know, you, you probably have five or six of that squad that would want to take every penalty regardless of whether they'd missed or scored the last one, you know, just because they, we to be superficial, you get a goals bonus. So that's one reason. But to be more on the side that they're competitive professionals, they all want to be, get as many goals as they can. So obviously by taking penalties, you increase your chances. So I'd imagine there would be, um, you know, I wouldn't I'd imagine that players would give up that, that spot lightly. I'd imagine it was down to the manager and Gerard used to take them for Hull, I believe, and um, you know he took it, and it, it was a decent penalty. He scored it. That's all that matters, really. So, yeah, I think um, I think I would continue with him being the penalty taker till 
until he misses one and then you evaluate it then you know if he misses the next one you might think oh gosh not this again but if he scores the next six or seven and then misses one you'd probably let him carry on so yeah we'll just see how many we can get now from him it's tough to judge it isn't it because if you looked at Dixie back in the day and then he scored 30 penalties consecutively but then missed his next two you wouldn't take him off would you no so it's, that's because he's got hard. a record beforehand though. yeah but then Jared almost needs time I think if he's comfortable being a penalty taker to build that record, doesn't he? Even if he was to miss his next one, he could then go on and score the following 10. So yeah. it's hard. You've got to look at the quality on the training ground, I think, and and how consecutive they are on the uh, on the training pitch with penalties. But yes. I like that sort of penalty. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was, it's I thought much, it was a really it's good It's much try. better to put, yeah, put your laces through it, I think, for penalties mm. now, because you can try and place them. But the, the problem is now the keepers are so good and so agile that if you do place them, if the keeper goes the right way, he's got a strong chance of saving it. Whereas mm. from that distance, if you hit it as hard as you can, you don't just hit it straight down the middle you put it slightly to the you know to the right or to the left or up or whatever like it's harder for the keeper to say it look at dicks the amount of times keeper did get a hand on it but the hand just wasn't strong enough to stop the power so mm. yeah I, i'd much rather the people put their foot through it and hit the target than try to be clever or try to place it definitely yeah i mean dixie was even asked uh loads of times actually what his secret was to penalties and he said there isn't a secret so just put my head down and fucking blasted it that was yeah. it exactly. um so, yeah, uh, I think they're a lot harder to save when they're coming at you a million miles per hour than, yeah. than a 50-50 chance, really, because it comes down to keep it guessing the right way if you go for placement. So, yeah, definitely. Um, interesting. A first goal for Emerson. What do you make of him so far, albeit early days? Uh, jury's a bit out for me. I think he's he's done well. Obviously, got the goal. He's looked quite good going forward defensively a couple of times. I thought he got exposed a couple of times in that game so I think it's a bit too early to make a call obviously great for him to get a goal I think he will grow and grow and grow like don't forget he hasn't really played in the Premier League for a while now he was on loan at Lyon last year so the different style of defending I think he's definitely got potential I think he was a good signing um, yet uh, I don't think he's proven himself as quickly as someone like Kerra um, but I think he will get better and better so yeah I think a decent signing yeah yeah, I think they're fair comments. I, I think he was switched off for their goal on Thursday. Yeah. I think he was almost ball-watching, to be honest. And and it was said when he came to West Ham that he's got qualities, arguably more so going forward. And it has been said that he could probably be a better wing-back than a left-back. And I can see that. That does make sense. Albeit, I think that there's potential to be a good signing, though. I mean, he's, he's definitely got the endeavour. He's got the work rate. He's on his toes. And like I say... He does like going forward and he found himself in the right place, right time on Thursday. But yeah, time will tell, I suppose. But I think when you look at the amount that we paid for him, um, I think he potentially could be a good squad player at the very least. We've said many a time that if you're an academy player or a fringe player and you're given the chance in the first team, you have to take that opportunity at this level. You have to. And it's fair to say that Flynn Downs did exactly that, didn't he? A superb performance that night, I thought. Yeah, yeah. He played really, really well. Um, there's no question about it. I think he um, intercepted and cleared up the ball quite a few times to start to break their attacks and start ours. Um, I thought he worked hard. I thought he was he was really good. Uh, I thought he played really, really well and definitely 
was if I, when I voted man of the match as we do on Patreon, I voted for him. I thought he, he was the, the standout player for me, which is good because that puts competition on Suchek now. Um, yeah. I think going into that game, I actually believe that whilst Down started, I, I was under the impression that him and Coventry were pretty much neck and neck in terms of the manager's thinking with Coventry slightly ahead. But on that performance... Um, you'd have to put Downs ahead of Coventry now on that performance, I think. Um, I, I think it's fair to say that he was playing alongside Declan, whereas Coventry, when he made his debut, was alongside a Suchet that was hiding. So there is that factor, but you can't take away from the fact that um, Downs played really, really well and, and made more of an impact than, than Connor did in the two games. So I think Connor... Uh, sorry, to, uh, Downs it has given the manager a dilemma now. And actually, if the Everton game is cancelled this Sunday and we go to Silkborg as our next game, I would keep Downs in there because Suchek has a knock anyway, although I do believe he was going to be back for Newcastle. I, I, I would keep Downs in there. Whether you keep Rice in there alongside him, Parby would be tempted to play Connor, Coventry and uh, Downs in, this, in the Silkborg game. But if, but either way, I think Downs has done re- did really, really well, and fair play to him. He did well. Thanks to our very own Dan Woffenden, I've got Flynn Downs game by numbers versus okay. uh, FCSB. Is ninety one point seven percent pass accuracy, sixty nine total touches, five out of seven ground jewels were won, three key passes, three tackles, one interception, and not one dribble successfully got past him. So you wasn't the only one that voted for him, man of the match. I did as well, and over eighty percent of Patreons voted Flynn as man of the match as well. Um, I was so, so pleased for him. He seems like a good lad. He's a West Ham fan, so him and his family must have been absolutely buzzing with that. So good luck yeah. to him moving forward as well. Um, well, obviously, last week this country lost its queen. Um, everyone's timelines were full of tributes, heartfelt messages, and a general sadness uh, that such a long reign has come to an end. Then a fucking bomb was dropped by Trevor Sinclair. He tweeted the following, racism was outlawed in the 60s and it's been allowed to thrive, so why should black and brown mourn? I couldn't believe Trevor said that on the day that she died as well. I was genuinely in shock. I thought his account had been hacked and he subsequently got absolutely fucking slaughtered for this, by the way. What do you think about that? What did you think when you first saw it? And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The same as you. I mean, obviously, as a as a white person, I can't speak entirely for um, 
people of different ethnicities and how they have felt during the Queen's reign. It would be wrong for me to try and claim that I know exactly how they feel, um, because I don't, because I'm not of their origin. However, what I will say is, regardless of whether there's any ounce of truth, which in my opinion, that you know, his, his comments weren't accurate, but as I say, others can argue differently. Whatever the case, if you believe he has any truth or, or he doesn't, the timing of it was just absolutely awful. Why why wait to say something like that to the minute she's died and the nation is in mourning to come out with that something like that so quickly afterwards? It was terrible. It was absolutely awful. I don't agree with the sentiment at all. Um, but he, um, it's the timing that's the, that is the killer for him because you know we do have free speech in this country whether you agree with what people say or not we do but you've got to have some ounce of tact about it and some ounce of when the timing is right if he felt like that why did he not say it before why was he happy to represent his nation in football and stand there and sing god save the queen if he had all these issues about that sort of thing i think it's very I think he did it for attention. I think he did it for um, to be that sort of, I don't know, that standout figure. And I think it was wrong. And I think he's got the criticism he deserved, personally. Yeah. I mean, I, like you, I thought it was incredibly disrespectful, incredibly ill-timed and quite bizarre, really, because maybe people can tell me otherwise, but to my knowledge, there's never been any evidence of racism directly from the Queen herself. I mean, maybe there are in pockets of, of the royal family. I think there were some question marks over Philip, if we're speaking honestly. But as for racism... the ethnicity of um, the... There was that comment, wasn't there, that, the one that Megan said that one royal member commented on what the... That's right, that's thing. right, yeah. So there's, there's probably pockets here and there. Yeah, but, of course, but... yeah. The, the thing is, the Queen, I mean, again, it was countries that England and Britain, sorry, had colonised, but it, he, she was the first to go to uh, Ghana, I think it was, or somewhere in Africa, um, and was the first monarch to embrace those cultures. And when I went, I went to Buckingham Palace um, yesterday um, to show my respect and also to let my children be part of what is such a historical occasion in, in Britain's history. So we went down yesterday and I said, one of the first things I said to my wife, it's amazing the range of people, the diversity of people that are here. Like literally you had all ages, all ethnicities, all languages being spoken. Or it was just such a range of people there. And when you looked at the flowers and the cards and everything that had been left in tribute, Again, you can see that, and and for me, that suggests that other cultures, on the whole, um, ha have respect for her and what she'd done. So his comments were very, I don't know, his comments would seem to be very personal to him, and it just wasn't the time to say that. Mm, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it, it's a real strange one, you know, because Trevor's always come across as a decent fella. I mean, we know him, not... Yeah intimately but we do know him we've worked with him uh, on a few occasions mm -hmm. but I think what seriously doesn't help him here is that he is connected to some previous and he yeah, I mean I think that, yeah that I doesn't think, help at all no it doesn't and I think and I, my brain's a bit sketchy with this so you might have to help me out but I think he called a police officer a white C-U-N-T from memory. Yeah, and, uh, and 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 interestingly, and to his credit, when he'd done an event for us at the East End Working Man's Club, he was asked about this on stage in front of hundreds of West Ham fans. And he did talk about it quite openly. He didn't shy away from it. And he said 
that it was an instinctive reaction to the police officer calling him a black C-U-N-T. So I think he wanted to equally hurt him in that respect. Um, I'm sure that's a story told at one of our events anyway, but you, you couple that story with his tweet last week, and I think people could be forgiven for thinking he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder. I mean, yeah. it's a strange one, X, because I believe he's married to a white woman. He is, yeah. No doubt has a good relationship with his white in-laws. His kids are mixed race. I've never heard one bad word about him from any players he played with. We've always got on a right with him. So I don't really know where this shit comes from, especially when he's previously tweeted concern over the Queen's health. And like you say, he's clearly never had an issue singing a national anthem when he's played for England. So it's all a bit confusing to me. I actually messaged him yesterday and invited him on the show. Oh, really? Well, yeah, because love him or hate him, I think it'd be a fascinating listen. Right. And uh, and he basically said, look, for obvious reasons, I can't do any media at the moment. But he also kind of alluded to the fact that whilst it's been a, a tough couple of days for him, he, he has to stay true to himself and his beliefs. Well, that's so, what I thought his apology message almost alluded yeah. to as well. Like when, yeah. when he when he wrote that he wrote. A tweet and that got backs up as well, didn't it? Because yeah, there, exactly. there didn't seem to be any remorse or regret over no. what he said. Well, it, well, I'll read it here. I've got it in front of me. My tweet yesterday was ill-timed at a time when the royal family and many around the world were grieving for the Queen. I apologise for any offence caused to those mourning the Queen. So the only thing he has said is that he apologises for the timing and then he said cause to those mourning the Queen. So that means he still maintains that not everyone should be mourning the Queen. Yeah. Um, so I I think, yeah, like he it follows on with what you were saying there. He obviously does strongly, strongly believe this. And then and then what doesn't help him and I like I said, I do want to put on record that whilst he has got things against his name now, and there are other things that I know about as well, like you know, that he has always been respectful to us and always came across really well and always been very pro um West Ham. Uh, I'm very, mm. and I think you know, I think there was a time when Talk Sport were hammering West Ham fans. I can't even remember when it was over now, and he was one of the few that actually stood up for us. I can't even remember what it was now, but he did, and people were singing his praises then. But what he's then gone and done after all that is then put a tweet out again and said it's not how many times you get knocked down; it's finding the strength to get back up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he didn't do himself any favors, did he? Mental health awareness, yeah, and yeah. I think. I think you've got to be so careful when mm. you mention mental health because the problem is people suffer from mental health and there are people that obviously suffer more than others. So when people pull the card out of, oh, it's my mental health to try and excuse their actions, it can demean the, the power of someone that is suffering, saying it by, by, by weakening the strength of the fact that there are people that suffer and I wish I wish he hadn't said that I wish he just said it was a mistake and just I shouldn't have said it I apologize hopefully I can be forgiven but these are my opinions in a free speaking world or whatever something along those lines I mean people would have been more accepting I just don't think he should have done that follow-up tweet either Mm. playing devil's advocate right and that's all i'm doing playing devil's advocate and we must that's... state here as well because this is controversial topics we're talking about firstly whether the game should have been cancelled and second of all this there are going to be people out there that strongly don't agree with both mine and your opinions on this and it's important to state that we are a podcast that doesn't shy away from tackling the issues of the day which these two are and yes you may disagree with what we are saying and how we've said it but this 
you know, you've got to understand this is just one person's opinion, not an expert's opinion, one person's opinion on a topic that we've been asked. And I just want to make that clear before we get anyone that maybe gets adamant how wrong we are. <laughs> and uh, a big thank you to our legal team for taking the time to jump on the podcast <laughs> there as well. well uh, I actually <laughs> impressed myself with my time. Fucking you know, hell, you blew me away. I tell uh, you, I more, couldn't more believe more it. Clever. I was like, what are you done with X? More cleverer than I look sometimes. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's fair what you're saying, and uh, absolutely. I mean, I'd like to think one of the reasons we've built a reputation for ourselves with this podcast is that we are very honest. We don't sit on the fence, and we do sometimes take risks with our opinions because even if people don't like it, I think they would respect it that we are just being true to ourselves, if you like. And this is what Trevor was saying that he was. So going back to what I was saying, Mm. playing devil's advocate, and that genuinely is all I'm doing because I think I've made my opinion quite clear. Does he have a point? Is he not entitled to freedom of speech? And does freedom of speech actually genuinely exist? I think he has a point in a sense that freedom of speech should exist. You know, if he genuinely believes that what he tweeted in that time was, was right, you know, I don't personally think it is, but if he if he thinks it is, and as I say, he's better placed than I am possibly to discuss this, uh, then he has a right to say it. But there's a timing for it, isn't there? Like, you know, <laughs> you think of it in any circumstance. You know, there's there's people in life you don't like. You know, you'd even you know, there might be someone that you work with, right? Take this for example. You might be someone that you work with. That you thought it's a bit of a wanker, you know. You might think, I don't really get on with them, I don't really like them, I, I, you know. I, I don't get on with them, they're not my type of person. And then, and then you get a phone call from like, I don't know, their wife, or you get a phone call from someone telling you that they're dead. You would, I don't think many of us would go, Oh, that's okay, good, I don't really care because they're, I didn't like them anyway, they were wankers. You'd yeah. show you'd yeah. show a bit of respect and decency to the fact that someone has passed away, and maybe you might not like them, and you might not agree with what they are saying. But there are people out there that do, and people out there that are you know these persons really close to, regardless of what you think of the monarchy and what you think of the queen as an individual. She is someone's mum, someone's nan, someone's great nan, someone's you know auntie or whatever. And she is a human being, and whilst her actions, perhaps you know, some people might not have agreed or whatever, she did dedicate like was it seventy six years of her life to serving the country and and trying to do what she believed best for that country. And I think to to come out that quickly as well. I mean, it wasn't even like the next day; it was literally what half an hour, an hour after mm-hmm. it was announced mm-hmm. uh, to come out that quickly and say, you know. It's those comments. I just think uh, are awful, and uh, I think the timing of it is just the, is the problem. Not necessarily what he said. If he was to say in a month's time, when it's all done and dusted, and Prince Charles is the king, if he was to come out and say something along the lines of, "Now we've got a new monarch. I hope attitudes towards racism or something might shift." Then I don't think there would have been the uproar. I mean, people would have said, okay, I don't agree with that, and you're wrong, but I don't think there would have been the uproar that there was. There's the timing of it and the lack of sensitivity to the fact that other people were mourning and other people were really, really upset about it. Mm, Yeah, I think you make a really good point. I think the timing 
was everything really, wasn't it? Um, terrible timing. I mean, I, I do of believe. Timing, I would like to put on record as well. Like I put a tweet out confirming the team as I always did. Right? Okay, as I always do. People know when I tweet the team. So I do the team news on Patreon, and then when it's confirmed, I do a tweet um, with the eyes, the thumbs up, and the cross eye just to show it's accurate. And sadly, I have to do this to prove to all the critics and trolls that I'm not a fraud and guessing this is where this all evolved from and it's almost become like a trademark but i was i listened to the the news at six o'clock in the car because i luckily for um me i was able to go into one of the lounges because they were so unsold out for the game and kindly a patron who's a good friend of ours now offered me the chance to take my dad as a treat so i took him up on it so we listened to the news at six o'clock i was walking to the stadium at that point i'd always, always save in the draft of my tweets that um the three previous bits from Patreon, and then I just wait for the team to come out, and then I add that and press tweet. It came up on my phone on the app because I've got the conference, um, uh, the Europa, whatever it's called, conference uh, league app thing, um, and it came up on there. Team user clicked on it, saw that it was right, screenshotted it, added it to the tweet, and tweeted it. Right, so I uh, then I didn't know it, didn't think anything of it from what I'd heard at six o'clock that actually was chance that the queen might make it through so then i so i tweeted that didn't think anything of it walked into the, the lounge said hello to wardy and mad dog and a few of the ex-players that i bumped into on my ways and then it was there on the screen and then i was like oh no i need to do this is awful i need to do a tweet about it did a tweet just literally I didn't really know what to say just did r.i.p and a heart and i found a picture not my picture a picture that was taken i think by i don't know the son or something of her when she was at upton park um doing that well i think she opened one of the stands didn't she so she was there printed that photo and then I just uh, put um, yeah, RIP and then underneath it, I mean, to be fair, it is a guy that's trolled me for years and years and years. I wish he'd give up. But underneath, I saw a comment saying, like, how insensitive I've been about doing the confirmed team one. I just want to put on record, I didn't actually know when I pressed that tweet and I deleted it the minute I saw, just for anyone else that may have seen that, because that was mm. a pure accident. But of course, the trolls jumped on it as they always do, if anything, and are the reason why I'm now trying to take more time off Twitter. People may have noticed that I'm not tweeting as much, and that is going to be something going forward. How, how much I'll stick to that, I don't know, but I'm trying to avoid engagements, because I just think literally anything i say there's people out there that are trying to wait for me to slip up so it's just for my mental health let's just get off it and stick to telegram and patreon and stuff yeah i mean i remember when you tweeted saying you like putting cucumbers up your ass i mean you're in the privacy of your own home um you're not hurting anyone and uh, no. i don't think you should have deleted that tweet i mean no. you should have left it up there no pun intended yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> i don't think you're the one that inserts them up <laughs> yeah free is our record at the moment and i, I challenge anyone listening to this show to, to try and beat that um yeah. But no, I, listen, I think freedom of speech is a myth. I really do. I don't think it exists, especially in this day and age. And uh, I think you have to use your common sense when you're a public figure. You have to. Otherwise, you put your career at risk. And that's what Trevor's done. Um, thousands and thousands of people are calling for him to be sacked from TalkSport. Do you think he should be? Gosh, that's a tough question, mate. That really is. Because you're right, freedom of speech should exist. 
Um, and it should, it's what our democracy and our society is built upon. That you know, because otherwise you end up with a situation like you know Nazi Germany, for example, or in you know places like North Korea where you don't get a freedom of speech. So it is a main um, pillar of what our um, I don't know what I, our our community is based upon. However, you you've got to use a bit of common sense, and if an employee completely alienates himself. Now, like he has done, whether it's within rights, like the right rules or not, you've got to use a bit of common sense there. And I think he hasn't. And I think if he goes back on air, there'll be a lot of people that would find that a bit of a problem for talk sport. I think they wouldn't want mm. to listen to him now. And I think when a when you when an employee brings your name and reputation into doubt as much as he has. I think it's hard for them to carry on with him personally. I don't think he should be alienated and victimised for the rest of his life, you know, because, all right, it's another mistake on top of mistakes he's already made. But it's around, you know, freedom of speech and stuff. But at the end of the day, he, he should be able to judge the mood of the nation and the mood of the people and realise that tweeting that was never going to be a good idea. So mm. if they were to remove him, I would understand that, yeah. Mm. I think it would be very damaging to talk sport if they did keep him on. Yeah, I agree. I agree because it almost... It's like almost... It's like they accept that they they almost like accept what he said and that they haven't got an issue with it. And I think they have to because of the mood of the nation and the majority of how people feel, whether what they feel is right or wrong. I don't agree with what Trevor said and I actually respected and liked the Queen, hence why I've done a number of tweets about it. But I am, I I think I think you've got to be able to judge your audience better than he has done. And I think you, that talk sport is a radio station to talk about sport. It's not a political station. You know, it's not like Trevor had been invited on to represent minority groups on a political show that was discussing whether racism had got better or not under the monarchy. If he'd got on that then you can say, well, that's what he was there to talk about. But he is a presenter on a sports show. Sports, for me, should stay out of politics. That's why I try to avoid commenting on it, although we have done this show. Um, but I um, I think that's where that's the problem. He's not a political figure. He's a sportsman on a sports show. And a sports show is not about that sort of thing. So by doing tweeting what he tweeted, he has almost tarnished um, you know, what he is there to do. Yeah, it's an interesting one though, isn't it? Because if you look at the likes of Stan Collymore that was given yeah. a contract to talk sport after being convicted yeah. of, of beating a woman, I mean, yeah. but it is the case with, with Trevor, he is paid to give his opinions on sport. Um, well, and when you look, sport. sorry, that wasn't sport, that's my point, it, it, exactly. And I'm agreeing with you on that, all right, but, okay. But, but the problem is, you're then going to be having someone on the station that I think it's fair to say, and I, I'm assuming it's not just reactionary, people don't like. Yeah, oh no, they hate him. I mean, what I've seen on Twitter. Oh man, now, fucking gosh. hell, mate. I couldn't believe yeah. it. I, I mean, yeah. I could believe it, but just a sheer scowl of how much abuse he's oh, yeah. got yeah, yeah. Um, has been quite incredible, actually. Silkborg on Thursday. Have our official press passes arrived yet? 
Um, yeah, they're, they're in the post. It says <laughs> e- English media one, English media two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 I've seen them. They're ready to come. So I'm looking forward Brilliant. to uh, a little bit of a, actually being allowed to go into the changing rooms these times. But uh, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny, you know. I, I watched that video back again the other I day. Did. Which, I showed uh, my kids. Did you, yeah, did you so, really? So I did say to them, don't follow daddy's lead yeah? <laughs> and, and watch dave's language a little bit but um, other, other than yeah. that it was quite funny oh mate it was so funny like looking back on it as well you know when when they said when they said oh you, you're english media sort of 70 percent not believing us but there was a part of them that thought maybe they are because they're bold <laughs> and, and bullshy enough to say that they are and then when he said like what are you doing here like how how did you get in we then said that we were told that uh, if we arrive at the stadium, uh, a door should be open somewhere to get in. <laughs> like, what sort of fucking media arrangement is that? I, I just love the vagueness. I listen, lads. We're going to fly you out to Denmark. <laughs> yeah. Just turn up, turn up to Silkborg, playing some random Finnish team. You know, like, you know, it's great interest to the English public. Just turn up at the yeah. stadium. There should be a door open somewhere. Walk around, see what you can do. <laughs> can you imagine the Telegraph giving their journalists that briefing? You know? I know, I know. And then at the end, I mean, again, we said it on camera. It was like the nicest bollocking I've ever received, that's for yeah, sure. But, yeah. I mean, I don't even know why I said it. But literally, as we're being escorted out, or just before, yeah. I think I said... Um, I mean, it's like, okay, well, well, I think we've got enough content now, so we're happy to leave. Like I had a fucking <laughs> yeah. choice. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's exactly what my kids picked up on. And, you know, my <laughs> eldest one said, so it's what she found funny was the fact that you were almost like agreeing to go on your terms. Like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like if, you had, if you hadn't got enough content, what would you have done? Like, no, mate, we're not going yet. We ain't got enough content yet. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, if we could just have a chat with the chairman and some of the players before <laughs> yeah. we go. And the um, other thing they picked up on, was that whilst he was like bollocking us and chucking us out, you managed to get a bit of an interview out of him because you, yeah. you asked him like whether they're confident for the game. You asked him, you asked him like you know a couple of questions and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was so funny. But I, I still find it incredible how we've gone to Viaborg and then you said you found this neighbouring town called uh Silkborg. Well, I, I don't know if you'd heard of them before. I know that I hadn't. I'd only heard of them through Football Manager and signing a couple of young Danish players, I think. Right. But... Okay. Fair enough. So I hadn't heard of them. And then, you know, from going up to the stadium, getting into the stadium, walking to the middle of the pitch, which we have done, um, to then laughing about it, to them them being drawn in the same group as it. You couldn't make it up. It's just incredible. I look back and I think that is absolutely hilarious but um yeah. but how, how do you feel about it because again you know like a lot of these teams i don't really know anything about them i i think to my knowledge they're a better side than viable is, is that fair to say yeah i think so i mean they're more established than Viborg. yeah i think Viborg yeah. got promoted last year and um i think silkborg have been more of a, a regular in the um in the top flight and stuff and i think they've played in europe um uh like for before, as I think from what I know of Viborg, it was one of their, it was the biggest game in their history when they played us, basically. But I'm pretty mm. sure that Silkborg have been involved, and I've just looked, they won, Silkborg won their game yesterday, beat AGF 1-0, um, 
Um, so I, I think, yeah, like I say, they're, they're in the top division. They've had some good players. They're one of the more um, successful clubs in Denmark. So <coughs> they finished third in the league last year. But I think Viborg were, were much lower. I mean, I think there's only 12 teams in the Danish league. But um, I mean, Viborg were eighth, maybe ninth, something like that. But um, Silkborg finished third. So they're a decent decent team they've had a few um decent players in their past so they've been more of a challenge than um Viborg. Uh, Viborg. Mm. but that said a premier league team and a good premier league team you know a team that finished you know in the top half um of the premier league and has done consistently and got to the semi-finals of the europa league and beat the likes of seville Sevilla, sorry and um Leon and stuff should should beat Silkborg. Um mm. and I think I'd be disappointed if we don't win that game. Yeah. Be interesting to see how we do on that pitch though, which obviously yeah. spontaneously we've had the uh the pleasure of um walking on before our players have. Yeah. And uh I mean it's a four G pitch and, and it's spongy. I mean that's the first thing that struck me. It's like walking on a marshmallow, I thought. Yeah. And yeah. probably not the best pitch to play on if you're carrying a knock, for example. No. Um but um lovely little stadium though. Um, but I think you've got to be confident of another three points, and you really? You'd hope so. I mean, I, I'd be, I, as I say, Viborg finished seventh last year. I just checked. Um, I, I would be disappointed if we if we didn't um, if we didn't win that game. Definitely, like you say, the pitch throws a bit of a curveball into it in the sense that that pitch, you know, three G four G pitch used to benefit the likes of Luton, Oldham. Um, QPR back in the day, didn't they? They used to always say it was hard to go and play at those games. And, you know, we took a 6-0 battering at Oldham and a 6-0 battering at Luton on those artificial pitches in yeah. the cup semi-finals before. So I, I, that pitch does make it a bit a bit of an issue. Um, but like you say, if anyone's got any muscle-related injuries, I'd be very careful playing Zuma. I don't think he will play him because of his knee. I'd be careful playing Antonio with his issues because I think that pitch could be a potential like you said, injury trap. So, I mean, you've got to get the right team based around that as well. And I'd be, I'd be protective of Suchek coming back from injury. I'd be, I think I'd be protective of Declan as well. Can, can you imagine if he ended up doing his knee or something on those pitches and missing the World Cup and missing mm. you know, the rest of the season for West Ham? So I'd be very selective. You've got to go strong, but I think you've got to also have rotate as well. Yeah. Well, then we potentially go to Everton on the Sunday. Um, we're still all in limbo about that as fans, but assuming the game does go ahead, how do you feel about that? Because that's a big one, and, and that won't be easy, will it, away from home? No, I think they're a bit hit and miss at the moment, Everton, it seems. Um, obviously, you've got new signings to settle in, and the manager's relatively new as well. So I would still, if we're going to have the same season, similar season to this as we did in the previous two, and there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. 
I think we've got to look to win that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Okay, let's hear what X has to say this week. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.